Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. Boy, where to begin? Where to begin? As always, thanks for tuning in. How about I start with something that I really never start with, which is a tabloid quote unquote article, because we can't really call it that. We never have been able to, right? But let's start with an article from The Mirror about Prince Harry prior to the bombshell Oprah interview saying, supposedly saying, uh, quote, those Brits need to learn a lesson. Now, I'm starting with this because I'm going to circle right back around to it at the end of this episode. There are so many other things to discuss and catch up with in the middle here. But before I get into the nitty gritty I'd like to remind you that you still can, if you haven't already, review this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and also download the podcast because I don't always put the YouTube video up right after I put up the podcast. So did I say download? I meant subscribe. You can subscribe to the podcast and as soon as I upload, you'll you'll get the latest episode. Okay, the article that I'm going to start with And again, let me reemphasize, this is a nonsense article. However, I'm starting with it to highlight just how desperate the tabloid media is in England, as well as how desperate the royal family is, because it is articles like this that Harry and Meghan have been subjected to the entire time they've been together that would otherwise destroy them if they didn't have a platform of their own rather destroy their reputation, but maybe even them because we saw what it did to Princess Diana. But anyway, the headline reads, Prince Harry insisted, quote, those Brits need to learn a lesson ahead of the Oprah interview. Mind you, the Oprah interview happened before Philip died. Now, both Philip and the Queen have passed on. So we're not talking about anything that that happened yesterday, which, by the way, the quote in and of itself, those Brits need to learn a lesson. It actually goes against what Harry said in the Oprah interview about the British public. He said, which I vehemently disagree with him when he said it, as I was watching and (laughs) and later on the timeline, he said, I don't believe the British public is racist. I personally disagree. That's just like me saying, I don't think the American public is racist. I I think it kind of is. But he actually complimented his countrymen. So that deals with that part. But then also the subheadline of this article reads, Harry's pointed remarks illustrate his continued grievances toward the royal family. Sources say as the firm braces for the release of the bombshell Netflix documentary, Harry and Meghan. I mean, because that's what this is really about, right? So articles like this, at this particular time, the Sunday before the documentary and all of its parts are released on Netflix uh, for the world to see. Because Netflix, you can say what you want about Netflix. Oh, they're losing subscribers. Oh, they, they um, you know, didn't see profit in one of their quarters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Netflix still has wildly successful shows, right, that people watch. And so they still have their subscriptions. I don't really care how they said they were going to cancel when Harry and Meghan got this deal that they got years ago. But this one right here, I think it would be similar to what... Now, now I'm not saying it's going to do numbers like Stranger Things or like Wednesday or things like that, but it's going to be equivalent to what uh, CBS received from having Harry and Meghan uh, have exclusives on their network uh, specifically for the interview. But then also right after the interview, we saw a couple of things that carried over into their morning show. It's going to bring a lot more people onto their platform, uh, people who didn't have subscriptions. And then those who have subscriptions, which I've had Netflix for years, are going to watch it. And this is the world over. They have successful shows like The Crown. And so it's like people are going to watch it. And 
this is, I think, the thing that they have been most afraid of. This and the memoir. Now, this article in the mirror, it's it's pretty much a great big old nothing burger. All it does is say pretty much what the headline is in it. But the purpose of the article, uh, what the headline states, which is that supposedly Harry said those Brits need to uh, learn a lesson, which doesn't even sound like him, if we're being honest. Uh, But the purpose of the article, right, is to just go that extra step to trash Harry so that you can turn as many people against him and them. Megan, I feel like that part is already done. Like they have whoever uh, they were going to get to not like Megan or dislike Megan, even though they might have previously um, been a fan of hers. They've already won those people over. Cool. But Harry, they're trying to get people to hate them like people in the public, not those who are monarchists, not those who are, you know, in the aristocracy, uh, not the, you know, royal family and tabloid readers. We're talking about the people in the middle. They're trying to make it so that Harry is seen as trashing the entire country. Right. I mean, like you want to end these people. But it's a it's a last ditch effort. It's a desperate attempt to. It's kind of similar to what they were doing before the open interview, actually. Um, it's the way that they kept talking about, oh, well, how could you do this to your your grandfather and your grandmother? Your granddaddy is in a hospital. Um, how could you do this to your family? Listen, we just live in our lives. But this article demonstrates the depths to which the tabloids and the royal family are willing to go. And I say the royal family because they work in tandem. They are symbiotic. It's a symbiotic relationship. One needs the other to survive in a way. And this article is also to serve as a distraction. Now, granted, Americans we won't know any of this, not for real, unless you're like listening to podcasts like this or you follow royal Twitter. This is for people in England, right? This is for royal family lovers, but people in England who might come across this. This article is serving also as a distraction from the flop Boston visit from Skull and Bones from Will and Kate. It's serving as or trying to serve as a distraction from what happened before, right before the Boston trip, which was where Lady Hussey uh, kept asking uh, the lady from Sister Space in in Gozi, where where are your your people from, though? Um, Oh, I was born in London. But but where are your folks from? What what, what part of Africa did y'all come from? That. okay? how racist, by the way. I hadn't even talked about that, but. How terrible, right? Trying to distract the folks from who they really are, but then also who Harry and Meghan are about to show you who they really are. Meghan in Variety has talked about how um, this docuseries is in part about their love story. And and really, a, a lot of the images that were shown in the trailer, it was about them just literally loving on each other. Uh, But then there is also that picture of Kate and Will and Camilla in the front row that was included. That same engagement, Camilla was mocking Megan to Kate. Things that most folks don't know, but that actually happened. And so I wonder if that's why they actually included that picture. Uh, But then also it ends with Megan saying, when the stakes are this high, doesn't it make sense to hear our story from us? And then there's also a shot of her crying. Y'all are really afraid. Y'all didn't expect this. It was only rumored that they were going to be doing a docuseries. And then suddenly it was, oh, it's going to be released in December. And bam, here's the trailer. Okay. Well, you shouldn't have been racist. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you trying to trash Harry and saying, well, he said this about the British people. He wants to teach you guys a lesson. He has a vendetta against you guys. That's pretty much what they're saying. Um, at this point, you've already played your hand. We realize, you know, what this is and, and what you're attempting to do. And so then, actually, right before I recorded this, I came across a series of tweets from Carly Ledbetter, who 
Um, you may follow her, HuffPost um, journalist, and she tweets a lot about, you know, kind of what Harry and Meghan have going on. She does a lot of the royal stuff, but um, mostly I, I only see her tweeting about Harry and Meghan. Well, she released her statement from the Duke and Duchess of Sussex in response to this article. And it says, quote, exclusive in response to a story by the sun. Oh, so it was the sun. I must have just come across the one from the mirror. Um, but, you know, it's all trash. Right. Uh, but in response to a story by the sun claiming that Prince Harry told a friend, quote, those Brits need to learn a lesson ahead of the Oprah interview last year. The global press secretary for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex tells me that this is a baseless hit piece masquerading as journalism. This story is riddled with inaccuracies, not least of which is a quote erroneously attributed to Prince Harry. The spokesperson adds to accuse a man who spent 10 years serving his country of wanting to teach that same country a lesson is not only an attempted distraction, but an unfortunate, unfortunate and predictable tabloid strategy to pit him against his country is shameful and manipulative, especially when Prince Harry has never spoken ill of the British public. End quote. Period. He's never said anything bad about British people. Harry seems to be the only royal. And, and to be honest, I don't really know of any royals speaking ill of the British public because it wouldn't behoove them to do that, given that they are tax funded. Right. But yet you got people like Lady Hussey treating the British public like they're shit when they are black and or brown. Right. They they treat people you know, in ways that are consistent with how they actually view them, but they don't go on the record and say anything ill about the British public because that just wouldn't make sense. Even Prince Harry, though, even by the time he was doing the Oprah interview, he wasn't uh, tax funded. They had left. He had been living in America for a while. At this point, he's a homeowner. At this point, he's paying taxes in America. All right. Not being tax funded by by the British public, but he's still he still in the Oprah interview said, well, you know, I have plenty of faith in the British public. It's just that the tabloids feed them trash. Uh, and he said that, you know, when he gave a speech at um, the Well Child Awards, people were saying it was very similar to when Diana gave her one of her last public speeches in terms of the work that she would do for the royal family and how that was coming to a close and why it was coming to a close. Harry was speaking about how he needed to protect his family and, and that's why he needed to step away. Uh, but someone came up to him and he and sold him that, you know, please don't do this. You know, they're going to ruin your life. You know, um, people are racist and Harry said, no, no, I don't believe the British public is racist. I believe the tabloids are racist or those who, um, you know, have their hands in the way the narrative can be shaped for the British public. I believe they're racist, but not the British public. And the person that told him that disagreed with him. Plenty of people in the British public are racist, uh, just like plenty of them are not. That's going to be anywhere you go. But it would have been easy for Harry to agree, and he chose not to. So this right here goes against how he's actually lived his entire life. I thought that was a brilliant statement by Harry's spokesperson because it shows that the tabloid folks are in such a bubble that they don't realize that when they put out things like this, at this point, the public has already decided who they are um, in support of whether they're in support of the royal family it's not that they have to have like they have to choose I don't think that's the case either but you know at this point they're so different that most people have chosen so you're not winning anybody over by saying this because they already know that you're just throwing anything toward the wall to see what sticks that's what this is but I gotta say sometimes it is still so surprising for me that they continue to do this thinking that it will work. Thankfully, it doesn't impact Harry and Meghan the way that it used to. Like you think about the lies that were told on Meghan that we've talked about on this podcast repeatedly. Like the audacity to make up things about people. Um, but 
when Harry and Meghan were in, in England, it was far more dangerous because they were there. They were literally trapped. Like Harry said in that Oprah interview, since we're talking about the Oprah interview, they were trapped. Everybody else was trapped. Will and Kate, they're still trapped. You know, they might be able to go to Boston and flop, but <laughs> they still got to go back to England and continue to flop full time. Um, but Megan was trapped. So when the son or the male say that she bullied Kate, that's another attempt to get the British public to turn against someone that, that the tabloids is trying to convince is so unlike you, you know, um, so many lies were told about them, but now Harry and Megan have their own power. They have their own platforms. And the other thing too, that the Royal family and the tabloids simply can't cope with. And I want to get into a little bit, um, in a moment is how their platforms support them. Did you see the way when Harry's book dropped or the news of that book, uh, when it dropped all of the languages that that book is going to be printed in and they released the titles for all of those books and the covers for all of those books and told you where you could find all of those books. When Netflix dropped the trailer for Harry and Meghan, did you see how they dropped about I don't know, 12 or 15 other trailers with English subtitles, but it was Netflix, Japan, Netflix, you know, Saudi Arabia. I'm just kind of making it up because I don't really, I just saw a whole bunch of different, I don't know if it was actually Saudi Arabia, but uh, Netflix, France, you know, Netflix, South America, or Netflix, wherever, all across the board. You no longer have these people in a corner where you tell them that they must be silent and let the institution speak for them because they never spoke up for them. They never spoke up for Harry and Meghan, but now Harry and Meghan can do that for themselves. And like Meghan said in the cut, I didn't sign anything. I didn't sign anything and I'll be done speaking when I'm done. You know, this is what they're afraid of. And so this is what articles like this are for. I would expect to probably see a couple more, maybe, maybe not. But the thing about Harry and Meghan too, that I always love, especially now, their statements in no uncertain terms say exactly what they need to say to make articles like this and tabloids like this look as stupid as they actually are. In effect, Harry and Meghan are calling the sun on their bullshit. No other member of the royal family you know, current or former has been able to speak up for themselves in the way that Harry and Meghan are able to speak up for themselves now. And this is not even including Netflix or Spotify. It's simply that they can put out a statement and that statement goes around the world just as quickly, just as quickly as the lie does. Power. That's what that is. Now, why don't we talk about the docuseries Harry and Meghan and the trailer that was released just a couple days ago. First of all, shout out to Liz Garbus because, you know, I, I can tell that the, this is going to be amazing. I can just tell. Granted, you know, it was just a short, you know, little one minute, two minute clip. But my eye sort of looks at the editor's point of view and like not necessarily the consumer, but more so, you know, those who are putting it together, weaving the story together. And in the trailer, we have a series of black and white photos and photos we've never seen before, which was so like, I feel like my heart was racing when I was watching it because I was like, oh, my God, when was that? When was that? Oh, my God. When, when did that happen? And we actually saw Megan crying a couple of times. There was once where she was in the car. And Harry was outside the car and she was wiping away a tear. Uh, and to me, that was that seemed like a sort of a sweet moment where they were just departing and she was going to miss him or something. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll get greater context. Uh, but then about halfway through the trailer, there's this almost sort of grating sound of a camera that's different from all of the other camera clicks. Right. And it shows 
Will and Kate and Camilla on the front row, Harry and Megan in the back row. Um, everybody was talking about how, oh, why did she, why did they include, you know, Kate? Because Kate was closest to the camera in the photo that was chosen just due to the angle. Uh, but it's almost similar to the, um, that very last Commonwealth engagement right before the pandemic where Megan wore that green with the cape. Kate was the closest to the camera there as well because she was sitting on the end. Um, I guess that's maybe just the seating order or whatever. But um, why did they include that picture of Harry and Meghan? Why did they have Kate looking like, you know, like she was so, so mean? Well, Kate looks like a bitch quite frequently. I'm not saying she is a bitch. She probably is a bitch. But, you know, sorry, Megan. <laughs> I know you don't like that word, but Kate is really fucking rude. Um, but it's sometimes people just have RBF as well. Um but I think Kate's RBF is just a little bit more intense than most people. But then there might have also been something in the air because, you know, people tend to, um, whether they know it or not, a lot comes across your body, in your body language, in your face and, um, you know, just your general disposition according to how you're feeling inside. And we saw that a lot with Megan. We saw her... <clears throat> Even before we knew everything that was going on, when you look back at pictures of Megan, she's trying to hide the pain that she feels inside. And we know she was feeling a lot of pain. Harry, oftentimes with, um, you know, varying levels of success, would try to hide his anger that he was feeling. Go back and look at some of those pictures, man. I'm telling you, um, you know, Will always has this sort of expression and countenance that he's just over the whole entire thing you know and Kate just frequently looks mean you know don't know her personally I'm not saying that she is but I know that if you know just as an example right if she and Megan had a good relationship that would come across it didn't come across when when the queen died and there was that um there was that um, joint walkabout where everybody said that, and that's another example, Megan was just looking shell-shocked. She was looking afraid. Um, and she hugged the young lady, um, Amelka. I remember her name. <laughs> it's weird because I remember her name. Uh, and that was a moment. And everybody was just like, oh, my God, Megan really needed that. But she looked afraid and shell-shocked. But then when you put Megan and Kate near each other, it's almost like there's just this tension that's there. I'm not saying it is there, but I don't really see them clicking. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel like it's in part a lot to do with some of the things that we have no idea actually went on behind closed doors. Conversations that might have been had that we're simply not privy to unless Harry and Megan make us um, knowledgeable of the details. But it was included deliberately. And, and yes, Megan did go on the record to say, you know, um, it might not be the way they would have um, done the docuseries or, excuse me, she didn't say it exactly like that, but she said that you just have to trust the process and trust whose hands the project is in. And, you know, there was a lot of hubbub about, you know, well, maybe Harry and Meghan after the Queen died, they wanted to make some changes. And, you know, it was too far gone for any changes to be made. And, um, you know, we don't really we don't really know any of those details. But I feel like <clears throat> whether Harry and Meghan would have chosen that image or whether, you know, the director and the team chose the image you know, for, for drama or what have you, it doesn't change the fact that there was tension there. And so early when I spoke about how um, Camilla appeared to have made fun of Megan around this time, Megan was pregnant and there was a whole entire series of bullcrap articles talking about how she holds her bump too much. And people always, even recently, somebody said that she had a moon bump. And her children are toddlers now, uh, toddlers and older, um, questioning whether she carried her child, always talking about how it was so annoying that she, you know, cradled her bump. Well, at that engagement, that was a Commonwealth um, 
service, church service or something. And after greeting the people coming in, of course, Megan is holding her bump. Camilla walks toward Kate, starts giggling and fake holds her own bump. She was making fun of Megan and Megan was literally two feet away from her. Who does that? But yet British society wants y'all to believe that these people are chosen, chosen to be in positions that are, you know, taxpayer funded by you because they're somehow more worthy and they're better because they were born into and or slept their way through to their position. Huh? It doesn't make any sense. Um, So I'm glad that they put that in the trailer. And then the trailer continues with, um, you know, additional images. And at the end, Megan is crying, wiping away tears. And this is this is way after they were married. Um, And finally, it just ends with Megan saying, you know, it makes sense to hear our story from us. So. Everybody went on and talked about and talked about how this was deliberately put out by Netflix to overshadow the Cambridges, who, mind you, had just been booed by the Boston Celtics the night before. And I want to briefly talk about the Earthshot Prize, just kind of give a, a summary of it, um, but particularly in context of Harry and Meghan. So we know the whole reason that they came to America is to further their brand over here because they know Harry and Meghan essentially have an embargo as the royal family goes. I mean, if you notice ever since Harry and Meghan came to the United States, uh, we've seen a few people come over here. Princess Anne has been here. Uh, Sophie has been here at the UN. Uh, When the queen died, Will and Kate were supposed to be over here, but they canceled that because, well, mourning. Uh, and but they were supposed to go to New York in September. That was also when Megan was supposed to do her. I believe it was Jimmy Fallon appearance. And <laughs> can I just talk about how I love the fact that. Oh, oh, by the way, Megan was also supposed to be uh, at the U.N. as well. And we know that her history with the U.N. goes way back. Um, but I was going to say, I love the fact that. Whether Harry and Meghan deliberately attempt to overshadow Will and Kate, especially when they're trying to come over here and further their brand or not, it doesn't matter. But now, you know, that was going to be the narrative back in September when what's the name was at the U.N. and Meghan was on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, well, look at Meghan. Of course, she scheduled this because, you know, they were there, but that didn't happen again. The queen died. But you notice that the royal family is trying to increase their you know, visibility uh, to Americans. When it comes to the world media, Americans kind of dominate, you know, and I feel like the British media has a lot of things with regard to um, British media and influence has kind of been tamped down after Brexit. America's media is so huge and influential uh, and it goes across the world so much quicker a lot of times than than British media. So they're trying to take advantage of that. Harry and Meghan, they have that. They have it in the bag, basically. And so this is where the whole Earthshot Prize comes in. This is why Boston was chosen as the city uh, to follow up from their first Earthshot Prize, which was in London last year. Um, so they came to Boston. My first thought was like, well, of course they choose Boston. Boston is a notoriously (laughs) racist city. But see, I forgot. And that's not necessarily to say all Bostonians are, but they're sports fans in particular. They really are. Um, They can be toward the players. But I also forgot how rowdy they are. Right. So they showed up to Boston. They had a handful of protesters. Of course, they had, you know, some royalist fans uh, showing up, too. But their numbers weren't all that huge. They went to the basketball game, I guess, trying to relive memories of when um, I think they were in Brooklyn the last time. And Beyonce and Jay-Z, you know, walked across the court. And God, Beyonce would never do that today, ever, ever. Uh, And that was a picture where LeBron James had his arm around her and she was looking like she had just you know, been mugged (laughs) by some random black man. Uh, she, She really looked afraid. But 
I guess they're trying to relive memories of going to basketball games, but this time they were booed. There were some cheers. Uh, but these days, girl, we... To, be, to keep it 100, we, we really don't have any respect for the royals over here. And, you know, back in 2000, the early 2000s or the 2008 when they came over here or whenever it was, I think it was a little bit less um, of a thing that we so vocally express our distaste. But you got to think all the things that have happened since then, namely Andrew, we hate his ass over here. Um, we love Princess Diana, but since they visited here and now, um, you know, back then and, and now the crown has happened and American made, uh, married into the family and we see how they treated her. And also we have the best prince. So it's kind of like we really don't have much use for the other one. So they found that out real quick. And I love that for them. And then it turns out that the Earthshot Prize didn't even invite the the so-called winners. Um, and so we see that the prize itself, and I don't know that this necessarily filters down to the rest of the public, but the ceremony itself is really just a show for Will and Kate. And it's so transparent. But I think that's uh, something that seeps to the rest of the, the folks who are looking on is that nobody actually gets anything from it except for pictures and um, superficial types of things like that. So I saw a couple of publications, including the New York Times, writing about Will and Kate's visit. And it went something to the effect of Will and Kate visited Boston, whatever. You saw different people <laughs> who actually hold positions in townships in Massachusetts saying, look, we didn't invite these people. I'm sorry the 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 certain entrances are blocked. Look, we didn't invite them. I don't know why they're here. And I think that was the overall feeling. Why are they even here? You know, it would be different if it was a state visit. Why are you here? So. That was the takeaway, but then that's when the trailer dropped for the, the first trailer. And by the way, I started recording this yesterday, Sunday. It is now Monday, and the second trailer dropped, and I'm going to talk about that. But the first trailer, of course, they have to point to that as a scapegoat for why they're failing when they just fail by default. They were supposed to meet with Caroline Kennedy and she was supposed to be involved in, I guess, the events. And she just happened to show up like in in not joggers, I guess joggers, but uh, tennis shoes and like a windbreaker jacket like she just came from a run. And there was some pictures where she was dressed in a black dress and her son was there, but um, it wasn't really anything that was really out front there. And the only pictures that I actually end up seeing were of her son uh, basically <laughs> tro trolling Will and saying that he was standing there like William. Uh, I can't remember who posted that, but I saw that on Twitter. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, girl, Joe Biden, yeah, he went to Boston. I really know why Joe Biden was in Boston, but... Um, yeah, you know, I guess that's just what heads of state kind of do. Um, William is not a head of state, but eventually I guess he will be. Biden is a head of state. And plus they just met at the Queen's funeral. Um, or the, And then, and I guess they met before at like something where uh, the, the Bidens went over there. I think it was for like a um, G8 or something or a cop something. But um, I can't remember what it was, but it was where <laughs> Kate was trying to actually speak as if she was an expert on early childhood development when really all she did was mumble um, then. So they they in the last couple of years have been meeting whatever. And, that, and it's fine. It's like I wouldn't expect anything less. But that being said, it, it didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. And it just goes to show how little this idea of royalty and how like how little it matters one but then also how it is kind of falling out of favor with a lot of folks and american in particular like we're interested in kind of looking at royalty to kind of see 
like the gossip aspect of it, but we don't necessarily want that for ourselves, you know? Um, And we don't really respect it, especially when in this day and age, um, a lot of the indecencies that take place behind closed walls and somehow make its way out, depending on how salacious it is and how interested folks are, that shit travels fast now. And so when we hear about Andrew, when we see Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein sitting in the Queen's cabin, you know, when we um, learn about, you know, Jimmy Savile and that is a documentary that is also on Netflix. When we learn about, um, you know, Lord Mountbatten and how he and his wife, you know, assaulted and, and basically fondled children, you know, girl, th- these are y'all's people. We don't have any respect for that. <laughs> we don't. And just because you call yourself royal doesn't mean that you actually are better than anybody. And at the end of the day, especially in Boston, girl, don't let me tell you something about Boston. Boston may have its racial woes every once in a while, but let me tell you something about Boston. Boston is a very patriotic city. And so <laughs> it did not surprise me at all when, especially when you look at, you know, English royals and, you know, you got the whole history with the um, Boston Harbor and, um, you know, the revolution and, and you know, uh, what's his name? Atticus. Um, what? The, God damn. The black guy that got killed. I can't. Christmas addicts. There we go. <laughs> I was going to say Atticus Finch. Uh, Christmas addicts. Girl, those people, they love this country. And it's just the, the, the history of Boston as a city is almost at its root anti-monarchy. Right. So it's just kind of kind of weird that they chose Boston when you look at it that way. But um. Yeah, so I don't I don't really know what they were expecting, but um, it's kind of like the hits just continued. You know, they went to their whole um, gala at the end. Again, the um, the actual winners were not invited. They zoomed in, but the celebs were you know flown in, and and I guess that's a thing. Um, Kate showed up in a green screen, and ultimately, nobody cared when they left, and maybe that's the good thing. The good news is we don't care. So you don't really lose points over here. Um, But the bad news is we don't fucking care. So you don't gain them either. And that was your whole goal. So um, that just goes to show you why inauthenticity when compared to authenticity of like Harry and Meghan as an example or like actual Kennedys. You know, you look at... um, Probably the American version, I think, of Prince Harry would be like JFK Jr., who died in the plane crash, he and his wife. Um, Authentic people. He was especially someone who, when when it came to his activism and philanthropy, people took it seriously, even though his life was pretty short. Um, And he was passionate about it, and people admired him for it. Um, William, I think he's just trying to increase his again his visibility Kate's also trying to do the same thing because really at this point Harry and Meghan are running away with it Harry and Meghan effectively have the traction in America that Will and Kate desire and that ultimately brings us right back to the Netflix trailer now I knew when that trailer came out that because Harry and Meghan garner so much attention no matter what they do especially if it's something that is televised and or streamable um that that would not be the first trailer that would be one of the trailers especially a week ahead of when it's going to be released they do this for major things like the crown if you notice every time they release a season of the crown there's always a couple of different pieces of content that they're putting out ahead of the actual premiere for the season um But the first trailer, though, it was very beautiful. And again, it had a lot of people talking about, well, I thought they weren't at privacy. Why are they sharing their private moments? And if you notice, and I'm not really going to go into that because everybody knows the difference between what Harry and Meghan um, said they wanted and what people are making up about what they said they wanted uh, and what privacy means. Like, I'm not going into that. But if you notice, that is one of the refrains 
that it's it's sort of a distracting tactic because they know that Harry and Meghan didn't say that they don't want to share intimate parts of their life. Meghan said in the Oprah interview, it's not like just because I show you a picture of my kid that I will let you rummage through all of my my photos in my phone. They these people know the difference, but that's one of the main things that they keep repeating. If you know it, they they repeat it across all platforms. So whether it's social media, and whether it's, you know, Royal Rota journalists going on their respective platforms and repeating the same refrains. It's almost like they go to a meeting and say, here are the talking points. Go ahead and go at them. You know what I'm saying? And so it's that just like kind of how they did with the 17 lies. There weren't 17 lies in the Oprah interview. That was just something that y'all decided to run with. Um, and and by the way, nobody has ever debunked these so-called 17 lies. Um the in the second trailer, what was the thing that all of the royal reporters and all of the Harry and Meghan critics went on TV and went with? Suddenly, everybody was talking about, quote unquote, um, the stock images or like um, the certain clips that are clearly edited to create an effect Um not technically being when they were harassed. Like, for example, when Harry and Meghan were in South Africa and it showed a still, that's the one I keep seeing just cropping up on my timeline from different royalists and royal reporters. Uh, and Meghan was holding Archie and they were going to walk up the steps to meet um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Um, well, that wasn't a moment when you were being hounded by a paparazzi or being harassed or when they were in um, when they were still engaged and they went to that radio station in, I believe, Brixton. Oh, well, you weren't being harassed then. What do you mean? No, it was to create an effect like and these are people who are supposedly in this industry, but deliberately going on public platforms to mislead the public and also to try to cast a negative light on Harry and Meghan. But more than one of them are doing it like over and over throughout the day. That's been the response to the second trailer. And it's like, if that's all you have and you don't have anything to say in terms of the words that are being spoken when it comes to Harry and Meghan about to tell their story in six whole parts in front of the rest of the world, then you are basically admitting defeat. You know that the documentary is on. The next Netflix deal is on. It is rolling and you're about to see it in motion. And so if the first trailer had them shook, then the second trailer has them crying, crying. I believe the phrase is crying and throwing up. <laughs> They're crying and throwing up over in England right now um, because you're you're going to wish your biggest problem was that you're being overshadowed. Like they wish that they could go back to references being made in, in the Oprah interview. They wish they could go back to Megan making references and allusions in print articles. Liz Garbus has your number. Now, Megan did say that, again, that it's in part about their love story and how they want that to shine through. Ultimately, if the trailers are any indication, it's going to be about their love story, which can be seen very clearly in the first trailer and about how they had to actually fight to to fight for their relationship. Megan literally fighting for her life. Um, in the second trailer, we see all of the obstacles that were put in their way. We see um, how Megan was essentially hunted. And so that's the tone of the second trailer. But in the first trailer, did you notice how after the first trailer, um, so many like anti-black girls were in their feelings you know and I I just noticed this I haven't really spoken about it or really tweeted about it but what made me think about it was how more than is typical like folks who um would say oh well you know I'm a, a Megan fan but why why don't she sh why doesn't she just stop talking about it you know what I mean are saying that after the first trailer because I feel like it's something about seeing Harry, and we already know Harry's the fine brother, right? Um, seeing this man in 
intimate photos um, with his wife as they're growing their family, love on that woman, right? And they're, you know, black and white style, which they love those black and white photos. Love on his wife, seeing that. Like, it's one thing to know, and it's one thing to know they're married, but like to see him actually in the act of loving his wife, holding his wife, kissing his wife, playfully, you know, just taking selfies with his wife. Got a lot of the girls in their feelings. So I thought that was interesting. But then I also thought about how after this documentary or maybe during it, because we're going to get it in two parts uh, over two weeks. I think um, Harry and Meghan fans probably should brace for pushback in places where they hadn't ordinarily seen it. And I'm speaking of like, for example, The View. Now, again, we don't know really what all is going to be shared in this docuseries, but um, not just The View, but folks who otherwise would have been vocal in their support for Harry and Meghan. There's going to be a lot of folks who I feel suddenly decide that okay, they're tired or they don't want to hear about it or they feel like they have heard about it, which that would be wrong to think because if you notice with Harry and Meghan, they don't share the same information twice. Harry might say some of the same things in terms of, you know, the same refrains like I I had to protect my wife, um, you know, talking about the way his mother was hounded and how the, tress, the press treated her. Um, But in terms of actual receipts, they don't share the same thing twice. They don't share the same thing. Whenever they're bringing you information, it's new information, right? So I think that's going to, what what they're going to share, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. But I also think that there is a faction of folks who are, outwardly supportive of Harry and Meghan, but their true feelings uh, come through from time to time. You know what I'm saying? So be on the lookout for that because I saw that a lot with that trailer, that first trailer. And, but you know, I could be wrong and I hope I am wrong, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of posers out there. So be prepared for that and also be prepared to get your life because um, I, I, at this point, I don't really think, especially with the queen being dead, um, I don't really think Harry cares too much about how this damages the institution because I don't think he's deliberately trying to damage the institution, but rather institutions, because I don't think he could care less about the press, the tabloids. Um, but the royal family and we have said this repeatedly, is not an actual family. They're family only in name. They're family because they're related by blood. But they don't act and behave as a family does. They are called the firm. They are a fucking business. So, But it's a structure that is harmful to human beings, to anyone who wants to be a, a whole person, a real person. And it is not set up for an individual to thrive. It is just not an environment like that. But given that... Harry had given as much of his life as he did to the institution that hounded his mother, by the way, who worked in tandem with the tabloid press, which hounded his mother to death. He still gave many of his adult years and teen years to that institution and helping to promote and market that institution only for that institution to turn around and try to kill his wife and child uh, only for that institution to basically say nothing when it came to the tabloid press and how they hounded his wife. I think Harry and Meghan in this documentary are going to expose a lot of what people on Twitter, Harry and Meghan fans have been saying since literally like 2019, 2018. They got married in 2018. The press really didn't shift until around right after they came back from uh, the Oceania tour in Australia and New Zealand. So what that was like October going into November. And then 
2019 gets here and it's just straight up open season on Megan. They're going to show how the royal family collaborated with that. We saw a lot of stories that were put out and then headlines suddenly changed when Sussex Squad started calling people out on that. We saw, and this is what I love about the day that the, these trailers were released, is everybody's putting out their receipts. Oh, y'all thought the crown was bad? This is going to, this might actually um, end careers. I don't know. I don't know. I, I look forward to it. But, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't think Harry is deliberately trying to take down the monarchy. But he's not sparing anybody. He's not sparing anybody. And because that institution is so toxic, I mean, like, we're literally just coming off of um, a whole entire controversy, around uh, someone who uh, is a, uh, works in that institution basically embarrassing themselves in this institution by repeatedly asking uh, Ngozi Falani where is she really from? You know what I mean? But I think Harry is, he may also be thinking about the younger ones in that institution and maybe trying to make it better for them. But I think what we're witnessing could possibly be the end, like the beginning of the end of the monarchy, at least as we know it. Um, most certainly it might be there in, you know, in physical form, but it won't have the influence over folks that it that it did um, because Harry and Meghan survived. With Diana, they could just brush it under the rug and say, oh, look, we're protecting and loving the boys. Well, that boy grew up. He grew up and he had a family of his own that y'all tried to destroy. So the influence, I, I believe the influence of the royal family, it is waning very fast. So America, y'all ain't got to worry about us, but it's the Commonwealth that the royal family really should be worried about. Because guess what? These Commonwealth countries also got Netflix. These Commonwealth countries also buy books, you know, and when you think about it in those terms, you can see the eagerness with which they tried to shut Harry and Meghan up. And Harry and Meghan just won't shut up. And I'm glad about it. And I'm glad for them because they shouldn't have to be in silent. They shouldn't have to walk in fear. And it's certainly not in this country. But not only should they not have to walk in fear, but they shouldn't have to fade into obscurity. You know, they love to call Harry and Meghan the new Wallace and Edward. Wallace and Edward, they they went quietly into the night. Yeah, that's because they had no choice. But baby girl, it's 2020, 2022, 23, 25, 20, whatever. This is the age where people have, people are their own platform. And you better believe if, Wallace and Edward had Twitter and Netflix and YouTube and Spotify. Then they would have had more influence in their lifetimes, too. But it's just that the royal family, it's just that the power balance was so different than what it is right now today. All right. Will and Kate and Charles and Camilla and the royal family, it is increasingly hard to control the narrative. And this is why they need the tabloid press because the tabloids have so much power in England. I don't know if it's due to their tactics. I don't know if it's due to who owns them. I don't know if it's due to culture or maybe it's just all of those three combined. But the royal family, they work very closely with the tabloids and the tabloids you know, they they it's like like I said, it's a symbiotic relationship that it, it, it's a phrase that's used all the time because it's true. Well, that's irrelevant over here. That's irrelevant in a lot of places. And they just can't get a grip on the narrative that not only that they're trying to put out about themselves as an institution, but they work really hard to put out a narrative about other people. In this case, Harry and Meghan, people that they can't control uh, in the same way that they tried to do about Diana, because Diana became sort of out of their control, especially after uh, they got divorced. And poor Diana, I was thinking about this other day. She only got to Diana also would have been a problem had she lived. Right. And this is why, you know, people question, well, 
what actually did happen. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But I was thinking about the other day how Diana really only had one year free of the monarchy before she was killed. Just one. She would have, there's no telling what the limit would have been. The sky would have been the limit for her. But she only had one year. And this is also why I hope in this docuseries, they go into where Megan was in this really dark place and how the institution knew. Like they knew they wanted her to destroy herself because if she got away like Diana did, because I think I think Harry actually leaving with her was the thing that they didn't expect. But if she got away like Diana did, then they knew that would spell trouble for the monarchy. So when she was in this really dark, dire abyss when it came to her mental health, didn't care whether she was pregnant or not, or not they knew. Journalists knew that she was in that place. They did nothing because they wanted her done. They wanted her over and done with. But the fact that she and Harry are a team, they escaped and they're not being quiet. It spells trouble. It spells trouble for the monarchy. Yeah. 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 And again, they might exist in, in you know, the world that we live in. But I think it would be worse to exist and, and, you know, call yourself royal and everybody hates you than to just be a private citizen. Because, see, now the world is making a mockery of you. And if the queen's death was any indication, my girl. <laughs> because there was no respect for that lady. Not for real, for real. Around the world. And the way that the filter was just gone from that. Oh, we would love to roast you while you live in too. So, um, plus, you know, a lot of what protected the monarchy up to this point was the queen herself. Now Charles is there, his mistress is his queen and, um, bullies are next. It's like, at this point, it's becoming a clown show, you know, and I don't know that they want that either so they're going to have some serious questions that they need to be asking about their existence I don't understand why at this point they haven't again stopped focusing on Harry and Meghan and focus more on how they can make themselves more useful and it could be the fact that they they're just not confronting the fact that no one has use for a monarchy at all like in any regard. Uh, but that, that you know, that's a conversation for another day. My takeaway from the trailers so far, and this is pre-docuseries, you know, today is the fifth that I'm recording this. My takeaway is, you know, seeing how everybody's reacted, particularly Harry and Meghan critics, is that Harry and Meghan have turned the tables. Harry and Meghan turned the tables when they were in the royal family, when they were in England, before they had the Netflix deals and any of that, before they even had a home, like consider that before they had a home, when their security had been stripped away, they were completely vulnerable, but they still stepped out on faith, which is why I will always respect Harry and Meghan. But particularly when they were in England, they were the ones who were backed into a corner. They were the ones who were told that they can't um, speak outwardly about anything that's going on inside of the firm. Um, they were the ones who had to rely on statements of support and protection from um, Buckingham Palace that never came. They were the ones who were crying <laughs> every day. Megan was the one who was in the house for four months and told that her visibility was too high, even though she hadn't left the house, you know, she was the one who was told by her friends, the girl, they are not protecting you. They're not protecting you. She was the one who was trapped. Harry was the one who was trapped because he had never been out in the world living on his own uh, without somehow being connected to this institution. Fast forward a couple of years through a whole entire pandemic. Harry and Meghan are the ones with the platform, like for real, for real. You can say you're tired of hearing about it. Well, don't watch. 
But we know the people who are saying, oh, I can't stand, you know, I can't wait to hear about, well, I'll watch it just so you don't have to. Girl, you're going to be sitting up there on the hour waiting to press play. You're probably going to watch, you know, episodes multiple times. You know, Harry and Meghan are the ones with the platform. And it is the royal family. The people who say that they never complain, never explain. Well, baby, you finna have to, you finna have some explaining to do. Just like there was a whole bunch of explaining around uh, Ngozi Falani of Sister Space and Lady Hussey. Plenty of explaining. Child, Kensington Palace was explaining from Boston. Talking about, we don't condone this. There's no place for racism in the world. Girl, you sure? Because again, when Archie was called a chimpanzee, silence from the royal family. So the tables have turned. That's one takeaway. And the other thing is that Harry and Meghan are showing us that, and Meghan in particular, are about to show us the real life enactment, if you will, or embodiment of the quote, they tried to bury me, but they didn't know I was a seed. That's how she ended her, you know, first season of Archetypes. Y'all tried to bury me, literally and figuratively, and you're still trying. But baby, I'm growing. <laughs> I'm growing, honey. I'm a tree and my whole family is covered. Um, and But I, the same can be said for Harry as well, because as soon as he decided that he was going to leave with and protect his wife, they tried to bury him, too. Again, just like they, quote unquote, buried Diana because she was going to live her life as well. And she was going to draw the same contrast that Harry and Meghan are drawing against the monarchy. She was going to do it in her time. Because. Diana was hugely popular everywhere else in the world. She was still popular in England. I mean, look at how folks reacted when she died. But she was going to draw such a major contrast. But that was a that was something that was settled in this ghastly way. It's no mistake that Harry and Meghan left in order to do that. They could be doing what they're doing in England, but it's probably best to do it over here. But I will always say good for Harry for providing protection for his wife, that she feels confident in knowing that she will indeed flourish from the trauma that his family caused her. And the third and final thing that I'm, I'm seeing just as a major takeaway, just as, just as I'm thinking about the documentary and just how important it is that they're actually putting it out and, and you know, not being vague about what they're about to share with the world is I'm so glad that they didn't just wait for historians to, you know, just live their lives and hope that, you know, historians and uh, documentarians and folks look back on what they're living and said that Harry and Meghan were on the right side of history the royal family was on the wrong side of history no they are living history they're living history and they're not waiting for their lives to be over for everybody to um, make an assessment that they were the ones who were wrong they have the right to say that they were wronged that they were hurt that they were hunted and that they were plotted against and while the royal family sits in England, they get to see how everybody else makes our assessment about them. Harry and Meghan have a right to their story and they have a right to tell it in real time. There's no reason that they should wait to let someone else tell their story long after they're past this phase in their life and hope that they got it right. Now, somebody might tell their story in the future in their own way a hundred years from now. But Harry and Meghan said, well, here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to provide you the material, the facts, the receipt, the content, so that you have no choice but to get this story right. 
because we're not going to let this institution. And that's another thing that Harry has an advantage on. He knows how that institution works. They're all about defining the narrative and they do take the long view because they're a monarchy. They look at how things will be told 100 years from now. Harry is going on the record to say, well, when y'all telling that motherfucking story, y'all make sure y'all tell this side of it because we're putting our experience out for posterity now and forevermore. And that, my friends, is what the institution of the royal family and the tabloids hate the most because they're used to being the only ones who are actually able to do that. And so with that, I must say that that is pretty much all I have for today. Uh, don't forget, I'm going to try to put this episode out real quick. But um, so it's the fifth. I'm going to try to put it out tonight. Harry and Meghan on the sixth are meeting with um, the Kennedys. Um, and they are being rewarded with the or awarded with the Ripple of, of Hope Award. Um an actual gala <laughs> that uh, has awarded so many um, illustrious figures of our time. And I find it quite timely, actually, and probably coincidental, <laughs> given what recently happened with the royal family and Sister Space and or Ngozi uh, with Sister Space, how they're not actually being rewarded for their philanthropy. They're being awarded for their audacity to stand up to the royal family, which is what this whole episode is pretty much about. Uh, standing up to the royal family and the monarchy and institutions like uh, the tabloid media as well. Um, and calling out racism where it is, even though that's a hard thing to do against a powerful bully like those institutions, they're being awarded for that. So keep that in mind when we see, you know, I don't know if we're going to see clips of speeches or see images or I'm pretty sure they're probably going to put something on the website uh, where they made the announcement. But keep that in mind as we look at um, Harry and Meghan receiving this award. And I bet the Kennedys show up for that. <laughs> so yes let me get up off of here so i can get this episode out thank you guys so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast uh, again remember you can download or subscribe to the podcast uh in case you're not on youtube because i don't put the videos up all the time right away uh and you can find me on all of the places twitter instagram tiktok um, I may not post all that regularly, sorry, <laughs> but you can find me there. I'm trying to get back into it. It's just life goes so fast as you know it. So um, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, keep shining your light, and I will catch y'all on the next one. Peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me. Kill me.